Welcome to the fourth episode of Demol Belgi Greece recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who goes by the name Slongs Divanongs on some areas of the internet, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Saunders. It's a new world order. Logan is now technically unemployed, even though he still teaches English online. I'm technically half employed. Instead of doing 80 hours a week, I now do just under 40 right now, like a like a normal person. <laughs> well, maybe not necessarily a normal person right now. A normal person's doing zero right now. <laughs> yeah, a normal person's doing zero right now. I'm technically working from home, so I'm doing my normal hours. Logan technically works from home because he does TEFL, so he does like 40-odd hours. And... Let's be honest, your teaching hours are not normal hours. You do not do a 9-5. I do a 9-5, to five. it's just the other 9-5. to five. Yeah, it's just a 9-5 to five p.m. to 5 a.m. I can't wait to move in with Gian in the Philippines. Let's just say that. <laughs> and a couple of bits of housekeeping before we actually properly start this episode. Thank you to everyone who's reached out to us um, to say that they will help us get the uh, the jumpers. I've not decided exactly what I'm going to do about it yet, but I will obviously let all of you know once I know. And there was a little announcement that was revealed, or officially confirmed, I should say, uh, last Thursday, after we'd already recorded the episode, which is that German Mole is back after 19 years off. And I knew about this because um, it's in Argentina, obviously, if you've seen the press releases. It's in Argentina with the Belgian crew. Belgian crew got to do it. Yes, yes, I don't I can't remember whether I told you this. It is the Belgian production crew, I think, from what I have been told. So, this is a very tempting prospect for us to cover. I'm not going to lie. Because they're probably going to do ho- hopefully they don't do a lot of the same challenges, but I'm guessing since it's a completely different country, in a production crew that's already done challenges there, that we're going to see a lot of overlap. Yeah, I think so too. And we've not really had much opportunity to speak about the Argentina season, so I'm really, really tempted to say we will do this. I'm just not 100% whether we will. It obviously is a question of subtitles, because I speak a little bit of German, but not an awful lot anymore. I haven't studied German for 11 years now, something like that. That's only half the time that the mall was on hiatus in Germany. I'm going to guess, given the fact that I know roughly the languages that they teach in BC, that you probably don't speak a word of German. Actually, German's the most commonly taught language after French in our high schools, but you are correct. I do not speak a word of German, but there's enough German people around me, and if they have subtitles in German, there's enough overlap with English where I think we could loosely figure it out or put a bit more effort in, especially now that I have more free time. I think we've discussed previously that BC's second language is Mandarin, if I remember rightly. In the, yes, overall, if you include Vancouver, yes, Mandarin would be by far number one, and Korean's probably number two. <laughs> but in terms of like public schools across, I should say probably the schools across Canada, French and German would probably be potentially one and two. Like you can't find any Mandarin teachers uh, in Vernon for high schools. It's like French and German, and there's still there's still significant German communities all around. But yes, there is a huge Mandarin speaking community in BC and Punjabi. So essentially, what 
the official line is, for anyone wondering whether we will cover German Mole, is maybe. We will get back to you, because the timing lines up, it's premieres on the 6th of May, which is the week of the reunion for Belgi. So it would be a reunion episode and German premiere on the same week, but otherwise there's no overlap. It works for me because I speak a little bit of German, and also it's the Argentina location, so there's probably going to be a bit of overlap with the challenges and stuff, so we'll know what the challenges roughly are. I'm hoping that they won't do similar clues, because obviously we'll we'll work it out really quickly, given that we remember the Argentina season reasonably well. So the official line is, we might cover it. I'm not promising anything, because it depends on a couple of factors, but it's not a straight no. You mean if if the Amazing Race 32 decides to air <laughs> this year or summer? <laughs> I'm still undecided about whether I'm covering Amazing Race again, I'll be honest. I'm still not enamoured with the prospects. Well, by the sounds of it, this will probably be the last chance to cover the Amazing Race for a long time. <laughs> Especially right now. If I had to guess, based on everything going on with coronavirus in the States... A lot of countries are going to have travel bans going to the States, probably more so than any other country in the world. And I'm going to guess that no production crew is going to want to greenlight a season of The Amazing Race, the American version, that is, uh, for at least a year would be my guess. Yeah, I think it's very, very unlikely that Amazing Race will be coming back anytime soon despite what the people on the Amazing Race fans group seem to be nagging about. Anyway, we probably should um, talk about Belgian Mole. So previously, the remaining eight candidates stopped for a dance party, tried to penalise each other on a river rafting trip, and had a choice between digging up history or making cheese sculptures. Most of them faced off with the Minotaur for money, but nobody dared take on the biggest challenge of all, stealing Bart's beer. At the execution, Alina and Bart were both safe, before our main suspects from the week before in Else went home. And as mentioned at the end of the last episode, the final seven get to drive themselves to Athens. And Papa Bear Gilles de Costa meets them on the Phoenix, one of the hills near the Acropolis, and describes it as the cradle of civilization. I thought Mesopotamia was. Well, there's a lot of places that claim it. I have heard it for Greece before. I've heard it for the Phoenix before, actually. But regardless, despite what Amazing Race wants us to think, Greece is where democracy was born. Not Switzerland? <laughs> I must say, out of a lot of the cities that I've been to, especially around Europe, Athens is just so beautiful, especially near the Acropolis. Yeah, it's interesting because they filmed roughly around the same time that The Good Place filmed there, I think. Because The Good Place filmed quite a bit of its finale around the Penix area, and pretty much where Papa Virgil de Costa was standing, I think. Do they just substitute Alina for Kristen Bell? Yeah, Alina is essentially the Arizona trash bag of the season. <laughs> That's forked up. That is royally forked up. There's so many good place references I could make right now. <laughs> and the Phoenix is where ancient Greeks elected their leaders, which they will do themselves. And they must select two leaders who will control every challenge in this episode. It is a lot of responsibility, but it also has its advantages. A hot tub! <laughs> Well, this is a really interesting twist anyway, because if you elect them all to one of those positions, you are getting no money for the pot this episode. And you can't help but think that, hey, 
they earned a lot of money this episode. I I think it's safe to say that neither of them are are the mole. I would agree as well. I love I I love Doreen so much, but sadly Bart has stolen my affections because Bart is probably the best character I've seen on Belgian Mole, actually. I, I love Bart so much after four episodes. I've never really suspected Salim as much as you have. I've never suspected Doreen at all. So yeah. I think I'm reasonably confident enough to say neither of them are the mole. And I was messaging you before we started podcasting, but I've essentially ruled out Christian because he's earned way too much money. And the intro plate is now the Acropolis, as I mentioned last week. Next week, I'm not 100%, but my best guess is that it is something to do with Orpheus, who Apollo, who's the god of music, gave a liar to. A liar? They lie on the mole? Yeah, it's, it's like a harp. Oh, it's like a harp. Oh, I thought it meant like a liar, like deception. No, L-Y-R-E, rather than L-I-A-R. <laughs> Here's a liar. <laughs> now, now commit perjury. And the now traditional quote was an interesting one, because what it was in the episode was the wrong form of government except all others. And if you know your British history, you'll actually know what the full quote from that is which is that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all others that we've tried. And it is a quote from Winston Churchill. Oh, the old churchy boy. Lots of wisdom from from churchy boy. But I'm really interested to find out why they chose a Churchill quote when the rest of them have all been kind of to do with Greek mysteries. Maybe you're slowly taking over the more Belgian, Michael. Maybe, as I like to speculate, Pafaver Gilles Costa is just giving me a shout-out. He's just giving a nod towards me going, I know there's Brits watching, I'll chuck a British quote in there. Well, it's either that or it's a quote about how King Leopold ruled the Belgian Congo. (laughs) Make your pick as to what quote you want about how to rule effectively and democratically. And Christian says that he wants people to judge him on his actions. To which I replied on my notes, isn't that literally the point of this show? (laughs) I want to be joined by the merits and actions of how of what I do in this game. At the end of each episode, I want you guys to assess me based on a series of factors as to what I did during this episode. Basically, after four episodes, Christian has finally worked out what this program is. So good going, Christian. <laughs> he thought it was Expedition Robinson. Wait, we're not an isle- on an island anymore. What are we doing in the middle of the Acropolis? He was just expecting to turn the corner and see Evie and Patrick there, just waiting to, to greet him at- on Expedition Robinson. So everyone gets to give Papa Bear, Gilles de Costa, their two names, and they can't vote for themselves, and the two with the most votes are their leaders for the next three days. And they choose Doreen and Salim. And their choice begins immediately, and they must choose three candidates with good musical knowledge, and four candidates with good hand-eye coordination. And they choose Christian, Alina, and Law for the musical challenge, and themselves, Bart, and Jolien for the hand-eye coordination challenge. Papa Ver, Gilles de Costa, says that they will meet in two hours at the Syntagma Square before the end of the changing of the guard. To earn any money, they must all be there for the end of the ceremony. And he sends the musical team on their way, and says the other four will be playing golf on their way to Syntagma Square, He asks if they know what their handicap is, 
they have obviously never seen this show before because they answer seriously rather than in a mole fashion. Because in reality, the handicaps are as follows. Doreen has drunk goggles on, Jolien has a club strapped to her helmet, and Salim and Bart are tied together with bungee cords. And I love this challenge so much. I'm glad Christian wasn't asked what his handicap was. We could have gotten a very, very long and very scientific answer. <laughs> and everyone would be like, wow, wow, that's really, that's really interesting. It's really fascinating. But what we meant was, uh, not to diminish what you go through, Christian, but when we talk about handicaps on the show, when we say you have a handicap, we mean you have goggles for eyes. <laughs> We're going to make you think you're drunk rather than an actual handicap. See, see, with Bart, he doesn't even need goggles <laughs> to get the same effect. Bart's handicap is chronic alcoholism. Like I, I know that we shat on Bart a little bit in episode one, but since episode two, Bart has been the best casting choice they have ever done. And I'm going to say that now. As much as I love Yuri, obviously, King of the Reagan Pipes, Reagan Pipe is literally my Animal Crossing village name this time in his honour. As much as I love casting like Yuri, where did they find Bart? Because Bart is equal parts comedy villain, absolute pisshead, and awkward bastard. It's wonderful. Did you hear what happened when Papa Bear Jill Stacoster confronted Bart about his drunken handicap? I dread to think. So Jills and the rest of the cast confronted him, and then Bart got super defensive, and he said, do you want to send me to Alcoholics Anonymous, or do you want to find out who the mole is? We're not on holiday. <laughs> I can drink 10,000 euros worth of booze. I don't need a ticking clock <laughs> to take 10,000 euros away this way. Sapporo, anyone? I just, I love that in episode one, we started the joke of, do you want to X or do you want to find out who the mole is? And Bart himself is just carrying on this running joke for us now. At the end of this episode, he literally says, do you want to act like you're at a holiday camp or do you want to find out who the mole is? We watch these shows for the casting and the characters and usually the scenery and the challenges and all that sort of stuff. But a show lives and dies by its casting. This casting is, as always phenomenal but Bart is the best example of casting this season Bart is utterly insane and plays like an arrogant villain he's basically Gaston from Beauty and the Beast he's so arrogant and yet he's a wonderful character he's the best 5,000 eggs (laughs) which works out to a lot of calories I found out Just seriously, Bart is wonderful, and it kills me inside that it's looking like we're not going to get to go to the Belgium finale now. And if Bart is in the final three, I am going to be so annoyed that we don't get to speak to him, because he's wonderful. Oh, he's just the best. To quote Drake from last week, he's the best we've ever had. So, on the way to the square... They have to play three rounds of golf as a group, and they get 30 shots, 10 for Doreen, 10 for Jolien, and 10 for Bart and Salim to get the ball into the three holes. 
each hole that they complete without running out of shots is worth a thousand euros for the pot. And they complete their first hole in 11 shots, with Jolien getting the final one, and their second hole appears to be on a shopping street. And they get close and have a discussion over whether they should use up Doreen's shots quickly, as she's got the hardest challenge. And they use another 11 to get to the second hole, but it earns another thousand euros. And at the third hole, Doreen hits the ball into the weeds, so essentially they waste a shot. However, the best bit of the third hole entirely is the fact that dead centre in the shot, there is a sign saying, Taurus, go home. (laughs) We're not from here. We're not from here. So as Bart is talking about how this isn't a holiday, he's literally graffitied on a concrete block next to the hole saying, Taurus, go home. We're not on a holiday. Go home. Do you want to go home or do you want to find out who the mole is? (laughs) Do you want to be trampled by a bunch of nationalists or do you want to find out who the mole is? So with six shots left, Salim and Bart have a great shot and earn their final thousand euros, assuming they can get to the square on time. And Christian, Alina and Law have to take the metro to sing Tagsma Square. However, they have to answer musical trivia to be able to find the correct stops. If they pick the correct answers, they'll go on a quick route to the stop. If they pick badly, they will waste time and have to pick another answer. The first question is what a particular Greek instrument is called. And this is the question that makes me think Helena is the mole at the moment. And I say this because the last two weeks, the person who I've picked as my mole has gone home. So I think Helena's the mole. And the option that they pick is balalaika, which Helena says sounds Russian. And I look this up. She's correct. It is Russian. And they get to Balalaika and realise it's the wrong answer. And they go for Bazuki, which is correct. And that is the stop where they will find their first challenge. The first challenge is to guess the four performers with Greek roots that are being played by a Bazuki player. And each correct answer is worth 250 euros for the pot. I can't wait till they have to go to the to the Greek gun metro station where somebody's carrying a Bazuzi. And somebody's just rifling off the bullets... And just rifling off the bullets to the tune of Careless Whisper by George Michael. Yeah, this this wrong answer really annoyed you, didn't it? <laughs> How? Like, whenever I go to Europe, nearly every country, whatever shop, whenever I go into a shopping mall or a big store in Europe, they're always playing Careless Whisper by George Michael, especially in the western part of Europe. There is no reason... Why a group of Belgians don't know Careless Whisper by George Michael, but yet they know Billie Eilish? Christian knew All Rise by Blue? Like, how, how, like, do you know how obscure that song was? George Michael's Careless Whisper is the most recognizable tune, and I don't even know who the hell they put as the answer. Even as someone who is very much an early noughties kid from the UK, I struggled to identify Blue, and when they said All Rise, I went, oh yeah, Anthony Costa from Blue is part greed. Like, how did they not get Careless Whisper? I know, like, they could have gotten a tune, I feel like they could have remembered a song, like a one-hit wonder from 1963, and then not remember Careless Whisper by George Michael. Keller's Whisper is probably one of the most famous saxophone riffs of all time. As I said to you when you were watching the episode, I know at least two filthy parodies of that song. And I can't say that for many songs. 
Like, I bet Papa Bear Jill DeCoster probably sings this song frequently in the shower. It it just it didn't make a lot of sense them getting George Michael wrong. That's a very molly thing to have happen. Like the mole had, to, I could see one person just completely drawing a blank. Like, oh, who's that? Who's that guy that's really weird who sings this song? I don't know. And then maybe another contestant that's really young. But then somebody's got to be thinking, oh yeah, let me get three people. How do three people all not remember George Michael? Especially when the singer, when he's British, right? And Greek? Yeah, I believe, although correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's half British, half Greek. Yeah. I refuse to believe that three people from Western Europe could not identify Careless Whisper. Yeah, that was very, very, very shocking when it's especially one of the most recognizable songs from the 80s let alone one of the most recognizable european tunes i would assume and then yeah you had blue all rise i'm like oh yeah i vaguely remember this song and then christian's able to pull that out of thin air and then what was the one song i was shocked that they got what were the other two well uh it was the first one was george michael and they guessed nana muscori whoever that is no idea who the hell that is Neither have I. Uh, second one was Demis Roussas, which is a familiar song, but I could not identify who sung that. No, neither could I. Third one was Kelly Clarkson, because of you. Oh, right, Kelly Clarkson, yeah. See, that's... Yeah, Kelly Clarkson, you could argue, yeah, is a bit more recognisable than than George Michael for present-day contestants on the mole. But the fact that they, that Christian got that blues song but not George Michael's Careless Whisper. It's very surprising, especially when I believe Christian is the exact same age as you, Michael. Yeah, Christian's 26. So it kind of makes sense that he got Blue and um, and Kelly Clarkson because those were about two years apart, I think. I think All Rise was 2004, and Because of You was 2006, if I'm not wrong. Careless Whisper, everyone knows. So they should have easily got those three. I have no idea how they got Demi Srusos. Who is Demi Srusos? Have you been on the beers with Bart again? No, I just don't know. I just, it's tough to recognize a song when people make up their own name. That'd be like if suddenly George Michael changed his name to Schlumber Halfel Aladdin or something like that. That's what it feels like when I hear the name Demi Shrushosh. Or it sounds like the name of one of Alina's cousins that may have dated one of Alina's cousins. So Demis Roussos, according to Wikipedia, was a Greek vocalist and performer who had an internationally acclaimed career as a single recording artist and band leader. He's also described on Wikipedia as an unlikely caftan-wearing sex symbol. He's a sex symbol. Apparently so. And he was also kidnapped by terrorists. What? In June 1985, he was among the passengers of TWA Flight 847 from Athens to Rome, which was hijacked by members of Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad, but was released along with four other Greeks after five days, while most of the other hostages remained there for 17 days. He spent his 39th birthday on the plane, and when released unharmed, thanked his captors at a press conference for giving him a birthday cake. Wow, that is the best story that I was not expecting to hear. Nana Muscori uh, is a Greek singer and has released singles in at least 12 different languages, including Greek, French, English, German, Dutch, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, Hebrew, Welsh, Mandarin, and Corsican. She's considered one of the most successful female singers of all time. That's who they thought George Michael was? Yeah. 
and her associated acts on um, on Wikipedia actually include Demis Roussos. <laughs> so yeah, they earned 750 euros for this challenge, and the second quiz question is which film the piece of music that the bazooki player is playing comes from? And they guess Conquest of Paradise, and it's correct, because Christian knows his soundtracks. Mm. Yes. Not all of them, evidently. I hear Careless Whisper was a very was a song on a very prominent soundtrack. And for the second challenge, all they have to do is jump rope for a minute. And this goes about as well as you'd expect. Who kept tripping up? Was it Alina? No, it's Christian. Christian was the one who kept stopping the rope? Yeah, Christian kept uh, kept tripping. Mm. He'd be tripping. Yeah, and by the end of the minute when they actually eventually do it, he looks absolutely shattered. Skip rope is not one of his favourite pastimes. No, it really isn't. He looks so shattered by the end of it. Salim is probably very surprised that Christian is not good at jumping. So the third question is, Slong Divanongs is the real name of which rapper from Antwerp with Greek roots? And they go for Parasadius, and they are correct and find a karaoke machine for their third challenge. All they have to do is sing Flemish songs and have 20 people from the metro station stop and listen to them at the same time to earn the final thousand euros. And despite them being mad famous in Belgium, apparently, at least according to Alina, nobody stops. They did not impress their audience. They would have definitely got the X if uh, if this was Belgium's Got Talent. Or just set up four chairs in the metro station with their chairs back to them. And those chairs would never turn around. No, they wouldn't. Although the question is, who would be sat in the four chairs? Which four famous Belgians can you think of? Uh, Jill's the coster. Obviously. Jill's from the first mole in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd from Belgian mole, the Mexico season. And Booba from the mole, South Africa. Fun fact, Booba actually accepted our follow request on um, on Instagram a couple of days ago. Really? Yeah, I requested um, to follow Booba ages ago off our account, and he finally accepted. Booba! So we're now friends with Booba officially. Oh man, I didn't have the link to his Instagram account, I gotta find it. See, you gotta you got stick with me, Saunders. You never said, you know, you know I want to be friends with Booba. That is true, but I also know you want to sleep with Davey, and you know, I can't make that happen. Do you want to sleep with Davy, or do you want to find out who the mole is? But Davy knows who the mole is. That's the whole point, Bart. If you're going to sleep with one person out of all the past contestants in the mole, you're going to sleep with Davy. Well, you are. I'm not, but Bart should. He wants to find out who the mole is. You gotta, you gotta sleep with Davy. It is such a shame that. It's looking unlikely the Belgian finale is going to happen because I just want it to be a fly on the wall for the awkwardness that is Logan and David the reunion. I hear. I don't know. I don't know this personally, but rumor has it that Davy charges for ten thousand two hundred euros to find out who the mole is. And Bart responds to that by like, "Fuck it, I want to find out who the mole is." <laughs> I'm going to finish my beer very very soon. So yeah, they give up on the karaoke challenge pretty quickly. Um, they only have seven minutes left to make it to the square and bank their money, and they do eventually make it in time, and earn 4,750 euros of a possible 6,000 for the pots. 
And then everyone gets taken to a nice hotel, but Salim and Doreen, as their representatives, get a suite with a hot tub. And one bed. Yeah. And they wake up on day nine in Glyfarba. Everyone relaxes, but Salim and Doreen get champagne and a message. And they must pick two people from the group who like the finer things in life. And they quickly decide to send Doreen along with Bart for the greatest mole challenge maybe ever. For starters, we'll get all starters. Because you somehow became made aware of Bart ordering on Facebook and tagged me in it, just saying, this is classic Bart. This challenge is even better than watching that clip alone. This challenge is bonkers, could only be on Belgian Mole, and couldn't be any better because of the two people that they pick. We will get a Coke, Sprite, Fanta, Mellow Yellow, Vanilla Coke, Sapporo, beer, wood wine, everything. Entrees, I want all the entrees. Essentially, Bart says to the waiter, have you got a Coke freestyle machine? Just make me one of everything. (laughs) So this challenge is very simple. Bart and Doreen get taken to a nice restaurant and have to eat as much as they can. They get a menu with the calorific value on it, which is also worth the same amount in euros. The more that they eat, the more they can earn. However, they only earn the money if the other five people burn enough calories to counteract it. For any calorie that they miss, they will lose one euro from the pot. They will also earn an extra thousand euros at the end if they can identify the three dishes that they ate that did not contain the correct ingredients. This is a mental challenge. There is no way that we can even do this justice. But it's wonderful. And it's in the same way that I love the Vietnamese dinner party from last year, in the same way that I love the drunk museum heist, and everything to do with that area of of the South Africa season, I'm mainly thinking of the ostrich maze. In the same way that I love all of those things, I adore this challenge for its sheer insanity. Because there's no other show that could ever get away with it. Yeah, and I think the best part about this challenge is the fact that while they're stuck having to exercise, that they can watch Bart and Doreen get each individual dish brought out to them and just the way there's like the chorus of Dama each time that the new plate, new the new dish gets brought out. All they get to see is just a silent version of Bart and Doreen being brought out plate after plate after plate. It's like, we'll have one of everything. Because they don't know about the working out bit. The working out bit team don't know that they're earning a lot of money by eating all of this food, in theory. But also interesting is the fact that when they start the scene at the gym, there's a very interesting piece of music that is playing. As a careless whisper? It was not careless whisper. I only know it because there's a lot of people on my Facebook who are obsessed with this song at the moment. Because it is a song called Think About Things which was meant to be the Icelandic Eurovision entry this year. It was an Icelandic song, was a favourite to win Eurovision, and it had nothing to do with Bjork? Nope. It's uh, it's a song called Think About Things. I can't even remember who does it, and I wouldn't be able to pronounce it even if I did. But it's a song called Think About Things, and it's actually quite a good song. But for some reason, they get the instrumental version and play it at the start of this scene. Do you get the impression that Papa Bear Jill Stacoster really likes music in general? Like pop music? I get the feeling that there is someone in that production team who loves music. Whether it's Papa Virgil de Costa, I don't know. 
but somebody who is in charge of the music for this show really has a lot of fun because we've had in previous years songs from Marvel soundtracks, which I kept thinking was a clue in Mexico. We had that brilliant version of um, of Ready or Not that Elizabeth got involved in last year. The music for this season has been really, really good on the whole. Somebody really loves music in that team, and I don't know who it is. Yeah, cause, well, just think back to the premiere of the Mexico season when they had all those songs named after people with mariachi bands. It just goes back to the argument that we love to make about this show, which is that there is so much care and attention put into this show at all times. It's bonkers how much care and attention that they put into this show. How much weight do you think Bart and Doreen gained by the end of this challenge? Well, in the end, between them, they consumed 5,095 calories. That's not that much. Which isn't that much for a gluttony challenge, and that's probably because they weren't allowed to have dessert, and some of those desserts look really good. But 5,095 calories is quite a lot still for one meal. I was thinking, though, like, I'm sure there's got to be meals where I've crossed, like, 3,000 calories or so. Like, how many calories are in, like, a large pizza? Oh, easily a 1,000. Yeah, isn't it, like, several hundred calories per slice? I was thinking, I've probably done, like, 5,000 calories just in pizza alone. Without trying, you can easily get a a full pizza that is 1,500 calories, I would say. Oh, it'd be more than that. Yeah. I mean, my benchmark on this sort of stuff is the fact that when I was in America in 2013, touring around with my brother, we went out for a, a meal, and the dessert that we saw on the menu was a chocolate tower cake, as they called it. And because it was California, they did have to um, put the calories on the menu, and it was 2,000 calories excluding ice cream in a slice of cake. Now that's how you put on weight. And it was good cake. <laughs> well, yeah. More calories, the better it tastes. That's the general rule. Yeah, essentially, each of them ate one of those slices of cake, probably plus, I'd say, two portions of ice cream. So, yeah, in, in reality, it actually probably isn't that much that they ate. And we learned that it takes five people to work off a meal that just two people ate. And people, and that's with like an hour and a half straight of exercising. The thing is, there was a limited amount of calories that they could consume. And I'm ballparking it at about 9,000 looking at how much they actually did consume. So there was a limited number of calories that they could have consumed. But if you know that, if you know that it's going to be based on the calorific content, You go for neat alcohol, because there's no calories in that at all. Speaking as someone who doesn't drink, neat alcohol is your best friend with this sort of stuff. Absolutely. But then you have to eat enough to line your stomach so that you don't vomit. Okay, so in one slice of a large, just a large cheese pizza from Domino's, just one slice is 270 calories. And how many slices are in a large pizza? Typically about eight. So yeah, 1600 calories, that wasn't a bad guess on one of it. And that's just with no toppings or anything. So that could easily be, let's say, like 350. When I get the three topping large pizza, like 350 calories, 25, 26. Okay, that's a, okay, that is quite a bit of food. Yep, yeah, most toppings actually don't add that much in reality. The main calorific content of it comes from the dough, because there is a lot of calories in bread. Going back to Arrested Development as we love to, bread makes you fat. Yeah, they were freaking out when they saw how much bread was being eaten. (laughs) Not the brood. (laughs) 
And I'm disappointed that you didn't correct me there because it wasn't Arrested Development. It was, in fact, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I was testing you. <laughs> what? Testing me. So during their workout, the team in the gym get some teleshopping adverts for pieces of fitness equipment that just so happen to be in there. And Alina tries out the first piece. It powers up a phone that they can use to ring Bart and Doreen with to stop them eating so much food. There's a second piece of equipment that will get the pin for the phone, and it plays Billy Eilish's bad guy when Christian thrusts enough. The word bad is bleeped. That is their clue. So they need to press bad on a phone keypad, which is 2223. What they should have played is Weird Al's fat. <laughs> that would have been much more fitting for this challenge. <laughs> and Christine eventually gets through to them on the phone to sell them stuff eating, but Bart says that the food's far too tasty. <laughs> Back off, I'm starving. Fuck off, Christine. <laughs> have you tried the tzatziki? <laughs> it's tzatziki in Greece. How am I not going to eat this, Christian? I get one shot at this. Do you want tzatziki, or do you want to find out who the mole is? And the answer, I want tzatziki. <laughs> the game doesn't matter so much anymore. Suddenly I've found a challenge I'm good at. I can earn you 10,200 euros from this one. I haven't had this much self-confidence in my whole life. Fuck you, bow and arrow guy shooting watermelon off my head. I can eat this tzatziki and earn 5,000 euros for the pot. And there's nothing you can do about it. So they've earned 5,274 calories, but Bart and Doreen at 6,125. And they are told that there are three dishes with incorrect ingredients. If they identify them, it earns 1,000 euros for the pots. They get two out of three, so they earn no money. And with the leftovers taken off, they drop to 5,405. But there were drinks left too, which drops it to 5,095 calories eaten. So they get 5,095 euros for the pots. And then... We get a mid-episode Diary of the Mole. However, it is less Diary of the Mole, more conversation between Papa Bear and the Mole. So Papa Bear starts off by asking if the Mole is okay. The Mole says, Today I really did my best, and yet that assignment still succeeded. And then at such a moment, you have to be happy and laugh. And I really do my best. You're in the car afterwards thinking, What am I doing? You hear everyone saying, What a bad Mole this year. And then Papa Bear butts in and says you shouldn't think like that you've done what you could have done and you know tomorrow yes tomorrow that will shake them up and they wake up tomorrow okay day 10 in the nice hotel again and doreen and Salim get to relax a little while while the other five go on a mystery tour papa bear meets them at an airstrip for every candidate who jumps out of the plane behind him at four thousand meters they will earn 500 euros for the pot and jolien looks unhappy at the prospect however there are only four parachutes on board if Doreen and Salim can't guess who stayed on board, they will earn an advantage. And Doreen and Salim have a choice when they get there. They can choose to either double the challenge pots or take 10 Passfragen if they are correct. If they choose the Passfragen and choose wrongly, the Passfragen will be split equally amongst the other five. And they get 45 minutes to interrogate everyone and work out who was the one who didn't jump. Only one person didn't jump or couldn't jump? Yeah, so there were four parachutes, so at least one person didn't jump. However, if somebody chose not to jump, that would obviously increase the odds of um, Doreen and Salim getting it correct. Oh, they just had to pick who had the, just at least one person who didn't jump. Yeah, they just had to pick someone who didn't jump. Oh, okay. So it'd suck if everyone had a fear of heights, then they would just win by default. Well, yeah, but that's the gamble they got to do. That's the gamble they have to take, is if nobody jumps, 
then you're just handing potentially 10 Passfragen away. So they begin with Law, and she claims that everyone jumped, and this is the tactic that the entire group came up with. Jolien is next, then Christian, Alina, and Bart. And everyone claims that they were the last person to jump. And then we find out that Salim and Doreen chose Passfragen, and everyone hopes that they would pick the money, and then they start trying to make deals. And we find out that Jolien, Law, and Alina all definitely jumped. And then Bart and Christian both try and take a deal. Christian tells them Bart didn't jump. And Bart's deal is for Doreen and Salim to get four Passfragen each, and him to still only take two. And he admits to being the one who didn't jump. And they chose Bart, which was correct, meaning that they earn 4,000 euros for the pot. Oh wait, no they don't. They earn absolutely nothing because they took the Passfragen. 9,845 euros of possible 18,000 for the episode. And 16,645 out of 56,000 for the season so far. And they earn 10 Passfragen, which they can share with Bart. And then everyone just gets really pissy at Bart again. He just made up with everybody. He just made friends. It took him four episodes to have everybody have him on their good side. And he throws it all away for Tway Passwagons. Bart is such a wonderful character because he does not care one iota what people think. You fucked up, Bart. He has zero concept of actually caring that other people are going to get very annoyed at him if he constantly takes the selfish option. He has no allies and absolutely nobody thinks he's the mole. But the ridiculous thing here is Bart did the right tactic in that position because... He guarantees himself to pass Vragen no matter what, but also he minimises the number of people who have pass Vragen. And in the Belgian game, pass Vragen have to be played on the next test anyway. So regardless, he gets two guaranteed right answers no matter what. He knows he's not the mole, and he limits the number of people who can also say the same thing. Because if five people get two pass Vragen, that's not really an advantage for him. It's a disadvantage for Doreen and Selim, but it's not really an advantage if he only gets two and there's four other people who also have that advantage, the same advantage. Yeah, either he gets two or he gets two. Yeah, he's strategically correct, he's just morally not. He just plays it really badly. The dumb thing is that the other people on his team decided Bart would be the one not to jump. It's like, you're the guy who you want to be, the one who stands up to the interrogators the most is the guy who started off the game by putting you at negative 10,200 euros. That is not thinking things through. No, the really fun thing is the fact that Bart probably volunteered for it because A, it's an experience for everyone else to be able to do it, but B, more importantly, it's a way for him to redeem himself. He still probably officially feels a bit guilty about starting the season off so badly for everyone. And yet, at the first sign of adversity, he goes, I'm going to play for myself and be completely and utterly unrepentant about it. And it's wonderful. He is ruthless. He's as ruthless about the game as he was towards the Zaziki on his plate. He just doesn't care, and it's glorious. That's what it boils down to. He just doesn't care. And then we get to our test. <laughs> so it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole, who can never go home. And Christian says that he would have hit the double money option. The three girls were ready to explode when it was revealed what Bart had done. And Bart has the quote of the episode when he says that some people seem to think we're in Flemish holiday land. It's the mole. The group is nice, but you do actually have to work out who it is. And Jolien was suspicious. 
Alina says that Jolien went in on Bart, which isn't a normal reaction from her. Salim finds Law suspicious. She tried to lie, but it didn't entirely work. And Alina and Jolien had better poker faces. Doreen suspects Salim. He went straight for the pass for Argon. And then at the execution, Gilles says that they could have had over 53,000 euros by now, which means that my math is a little bit off because I made it about 56. And tomorrow they will receive important visitors, but one person will miss out. And Doreen, Christian, and Jolien get green screens before, yet again, my main suspect goes home in law. And all of the older women are gone. Not even halfway through. <laughs> yep, my instinct that maybe Jill would go for an older mole this time was obviously wrong, because Bart is the oldest person left and it ain't him. They didn't even make top six, let alone the top half. Yeah, essentially our, our fortunes from the Vidim pool have reversed now. Yeah, it's not just, yeah, it's Rob or Malushka. It's now, oh, well, I guess I've always suspected Alina, so let's just keep Alina at the top. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I know who will go next week. So you said to me earlier that Alina and Salima are your top two, aren't they? Yeah, especially Alina's always in money positions. She's very, very suspicious all the time. And then I've I've completely ruled out Christian and Bart. And then, what does that leave? Uh, Julianne and uh, Doreen could be the mole, but she does, like, her and Julianne don't put themselves in positions where money's always at stake. I feel like Alina, I feel like Alina and Salim are in more pivotal roles the majority of the time. I'm leaning towards Alina, definitely, which means she's going to go home next week. And then... As my second, I'll stick with Jolien because there's still something I just can't put my finger on with her. Yeah, Valina or, S- or Salim go home. I'll be probably rewatching a chunk of the season and get it down to one suspect. So next week there are sneaky photos, near car crashes, blind driving tests, and Jill promises an elimination that will guarantee fireworks. Literally, I love fireworks. And as friend of the podcast, David Bindley, described it to me on on Monday morning, it's essentially Jill's way of shitting on the stupid skyscraper elimination from Vidum 19. We're going to do something similar, but we're going to do it better. That's the Belgian mole way. If Dutch mole fucks up something, Jill's is like, hey, I'll show you how it's really done. This is actual TV production. Yeah, this is, you realize what it is. This is competitive reality TV. You have to broadcast it in such a way that entertains the audience. So, have you got anything else you want to say? Um, it would be a lot easier to find out who the mole is if Christian and Bart make final three. It really would. I'm hoping and praying that Bart makes final three, just because Bart in the final three would be everything I want anymore. I don't really care who the mole is anymore. I just want Bart to make it literally as far as he can. So we get so much more material from him. You're going to have to put yourself under quarantine if he gets executed next week. Oh, I'll be wearing black. I will be mourning Bart if he goes. So thank you for listening to our Demol Vales recap. We'll be back next week for more mole hunting. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I'm MJ Helmstone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. Did you know that Alina is Demi Strusas's first cousin and second cousin? And my wife.
I'm Demis Rusas. It's nice. <laughs> I'm a great Greek Kazakh singer. I spend summers with my aunt. Oh, fuck, I'm doing John Wayne instead of a Kazakhstan accent. <laughs> I did an internship in Texas over the summer, and then I spend time in Greece, and then a bit too much time with my brother in Kazakhstan. I've seen a lot of interesting things. <laughs>